Previously, Jackson Mahomes was known for making short video clips, regarded by many as being wondrous. Doesn't it just suck when your sibling outdoes you at 13 seconds of fame? Welcome to And The Kick Is Good. Tucker, it will be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through, and it's good! Time has expired! Justin Tucker... Hello, and welcome to episode 72 of And The Kick Is Good podcast. I'm your host, Tom. As usual, I'm joined by Brad and Colum. Say hello, guys. Yes. Correct. Cool. You realise it makes it sound like your name is... Tom as usual and Brad Tom as Tom. usual. Brad and yeah. Cullum. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, everyone knows that Brad's name is Brad TM and you're just Cullum. So it is what it is, really. Um, uh, wow, w- what a podcast we have coming up. Um, without peeling it back too much, we're recording this on Tuesday evening as the news of uh, Sean Payton stepping away from the Saints has pretty much just broken, uh, marking probably the first time since starting this podcast almost two years ago. Um, that news has broken just before we record rather than just after. <laughs> um, because of that, unless there's anything hugely pressing you would like to bring up in your personal lives, we could just skip straight into the news. Colin or Brad? Uh, my cactus is looking a bit sad. <laughs> uh, the torch was done out of bank loan. That was uh, <laughs> fun. On that note, I believe it's time for the news. Uh, so yes, as I've mentioned it, and it's going to be the kind of the, the freshest off the wire. Um, let's let's lead with Sean Payton, um, who is quote stepping away from the New Orleans Saints as head coach after 17, 17 16 years with the franchise. Sorry, um, I kind of poo pooed this earlier in the week because I thought, why would you stick for the first year without Drew Brees? And then go, actually, you know what? <laughs> this isn't worth it. Like, surely you just walk out with, you know, as Breeze left. But perhaps he found um, that head coaching without your guarantee Hall of Fame and quarterback is a lot more difficult than you thought it might be. Um, I have nothing more on this um, right now. Like, I'm, I will assume this will probably flesh out more as the week goes on. Dare I say it, even as the podcast goes on. Um, but, Colin, you've been pretty on this in terms of you thought Peyton was leaving the Saints for about three years now so stop <laughs> eventually blocking. I had to be right yes didn't I? exactly stop <laughs> right twice a day um, so you know feel free to take your lap and or give us some thoughts and theories about who's going to take over um, in the Saints or possibly where you think Peyton's going to go well I assume Peyton's going to get a, a TV gig somewhere I think there was rumours that he was offered silly money by Amazon to do their Thursday night games. I believe they do Thursday night games, don't they? Um, and I think there must have been a point halfway through the season where you're thinking, would I rather get paid $10 million a year to coach Ian Book to be a starting quarterback? <laughs> or would I rather get paid $20 million a year to not have to coach Ian Book to start a football <laughs> game? And at a certain point, that became the more attractive option to him. He, yeah, you... I think looking at his legacy, we're going to talk about him as probably being a top three, top four coach, you know, for the last 10 years. 
someone who did remarkably well this year, considering the amount of injuries, particularly at key positions, that the Saints had to go through. I think there's probably just enough bullshit going on with like Michael Thomas and, as I said, starting guys like Ian Book, that you just kind of think, you know what, I think I'm going to take a couple of years out and then see what comes up in a, a few years' time. Still only 58, a lot of time ahead of him to you know, have a, a second chapter to his NFL career. Yeah, and they're heading into an off-season where they are currently projected at $74 million over the cap. That roster is going to be absolutely gutted, right? Like, it has to be. I know that Tom will come in and say... (laughs) I'll admit I haven't looked at it yet. That that privilege fell to the Green Bay Packers this week um, as they did a sort of semi-in-depth dive into what they could do to keep on their stars. (laughs) But don't worry, the Saints will be coming at some stage. Funny enough, I had a play around on um, Spot Track uh, yesterday with the Saints, and I struggled with it because <laughs> a lot of the times <laughs> you do that, like you hit that release button, but you can't do like a post June first release. It just does the first release. I was going to say with the Packers, what I did was basically had to have the over the cap. Um, kind of roster manager on one screen and the spot track roster manager on the other screen <laughs> and and kind of amalgamate the two because what you can do on the spot track one is you could just edit their cap number yeah so, and this th- caused th- th- Tom th- confusion to no end between David Bakhtiari <laughs> and who was it again uh, Zadarius Smith <laughs> in fairness the, the, so the, the two sites do have Zadarius Smith's contract as different it's just I couldn't figure out why they were wildly different and it turns out I was looking at David Bakhtiari and Zadarius Smith <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, when I was playing with the Saints, I'd be like, okay, so I'll cut Cam Jordan. And his cap number went down from like 21 million to like 18 million. I went, hmm, this is going to take me a while to sort out. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I ran into last year where they're going to be doing the same thing. Um, what it's probably looking at is looking into those contracts because I would imagine quite a lot of them have roster bonuses that are guaranteed. And what you can do, and what the Chiefs showed you can do with Mahomes is you can treat that as if it's salary and restructure that over remaining years or voyages or whatever so yeah you're probably going to see a lot of that happening over the next three four weeks um so i think we were talking about before the podcast and worth noting uh they the saints will retain the rights to payton through the 2024 season oh interesting so if another team wants him they will have to trade for him which is just an interesting caveat to all of this because he could just stay away for a couple years and come back but there's a crazy old man in Dallas who would probably like to win it one more time before, you know, <laughs> he moves on from the club. So uh, I think that could be a potential out uh, next year. And I think Peyton's spoken about what in the Dallas job before, right? Well, I believe because he was the offensive coordinator in Dallas uh, before becoming the Saints head coach, I think he's obviously got strong links there. And Jerry being Jerry, you know, the idea to bring in a guy like Sean Payton, who is a, you know, like we said, top four, top three head coach of the past 10 years. That's a real tempting thing for him, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens with the Saints. Although I think you do have to kind of look at it and put a stick of dynamite in the roster right now, right? Because you don't have a wide receiver one. You don't have a quarterback uh, and you have a lot of holes to fill everywhere else you know what and... this is is kind of opening the door for for me 
Jameis Winston, Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback, week one, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's if, Gardner if, Minshew, Tom, and you'll like Peyton it. If Peyton was still there, if Peyton was still there, then that you know there, there'd be no question there, right? But I take Winston put things on tape this year in terms of he looked like an adequate quarterback. Um, and yeah. and Ben Roethlisberger didn't look like an adequate quarterback at times this year. And everything we've seen from Mason Rudolph and, and the bevy of other quarterbacks they have in that organization right now indicates that there aren't adequate quarterbacks in there. So like that's, that's what I might be hanging my hat on come week one next year <laughs> is James Winston. But, and instead, you'll be justifying why Ian Book deserves to be the starting quarterback <laughs> of Steelers. <laughs> of both so, teams. Somehow, yeah. somehow, the Steelers are going to spend all that money they have uh, in free agency on Taysom Hill's elusive four-year, $160 million deal that no one knows anything about <laughs> like on any website. Like that's going to be, They're just going to onboard that, and, and Tom's going to wish that uh, Colbert didn't retire. What's fascinating about this, though, is the Saints are not far behind in the head coaching search because no, none of the other eight positions have yet been filled. So they're, they're a few rounds behind, but you know they're not missing out on any of the top candidates yet because no one's been signed. And that's going to be but a I really think... interesting interview process because you're going to have to sit down with with you know everyone, obviously Loomis, but you kind of sit down with all the cap guys, everyone, and go right, what roster am I actually going to get? Because the names on paper look great. The, the 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 Saints defense this year was like top five. If they had anywhere near an adequate offense for the whole season, they'd have made the playoffs without question. So if you can bring back the roster and find a way to either keep Winston or get a quarterback that's even halfway decent, they that that is a nice job to walk into. But if they're going to have to strip back the roster sixty percent then all of a sudden you're looking at a similar situation as the Bills about, what's it now, six or seven years ago, where they just took that one year and went, let's just cut everyone. Um, or basically what the Texans did this year, where they just sucked. Like, there are... Um, Patriots had to do it last year as well, didn't they? To, to an extent, yeah. Um, but but there, you know, there are elements of history that can point towards what the Saints might do this year. And I think who their head coach is... Um, it could be quite indicative of what's going to happen next if it is a fairly well-established guy, um, you know, who who is a, a good name. Then it feels like they're going to really try and keep this roster together. But if they do the equivalent of, um, uh, I've already forgotten the ex-Texans head coach name, Kelly. Oh, um, yeah, David Kelly. Um, if they do, and, and, and the man hire, that you went to bat for and felt so passionately about, oh, what's his name again? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and and hire and hire like the ex Lions head coach um, who got canned after like a eight and eight season or Caldwell. Caldwell, like Jim if Caldwell. if if they if they get David Caldwell in, that is wig suck this year. <laughs> We've got a new segment, listeners. It's not Colin pronounced that name. It's Tom. Remember that? Oh, name. I've got no idea. Uh. I'm so bad. Like I could name most of the head coaches at the moment. Jim Jim Kelly, uh, former Texan. (laughs) They're expected to interview Dennis Allen, the current uh, defensive coordinator, and also the Lions defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, who was their former DB coach. I think this is one that it sucks that this didn't happen like last year because Dan Campbell would have been like favorite next man up, and like that would have been like 
the absolute, you know, private handover it looks like. Because if you need a team to suck for a year, Dan Campbell's going to get you through that, you know, as we've seen. So it's kind of unfortunate for them. But I think maybe, you know, Peyton wanted to give it a few more goes just to see what he could, you know, well, give it another go to see what he could do. And then the writing's really on the wall, cap-wise, as we said. So we'll, we'll, we'll see who they end up with. Just one... But- to, well, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go and then Colin can go with this one last thing. Um, reading a little ESPN blur, Peyton58 has three years remaining on his deal with the Saints after signing his latest extension in 2019, so the Saints would maintain his rights if he decides to return to coaching. So how funny would that be if he took this shitty year off and then came back next off-season and was like, right, cool, <laughs> how much cap space we got? I mean, he's done it before he's taken a year off so, <laughs> you know <laughs> it was an year, circumstances was it one final thing of note for the saints is jeff island assistant gm has been talked about as a potential gm candidate for some of the vacancies so there could be a real you know staff turnover change in new orleans this year yeah. well if, if uh, we the... want to use that to to kind of transition to another news piece um, their defensive backs coach has been requested to interview for the Steelers defensive coordinator position um, as uh, their old or ex-defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, quote-unquote, retired this year. Um, we, we put the quotation marks around retired because famously Bruce Arians also retired and then a couple of years later ended up in Indianapolis offensive coordinator and then head coach and then won a Super Bowl last year. So... <laughs> retirement from the Pittsburgh Steelers doesn't necessarily mean retirement. Um, Keith Butler has basically been in the organisation since God was a child, um, but some of the large things that have come out in the last few weeks are that Tomlin has handled defensive uh, play calling since the last couple of years of Dick LeBeau. Um, it's That is going to be a sticking point over whoever they try to get in. It was largely accepted that they would promote from within, but I guess doing interviews with guys outside can't exactly hurt. Um, the other guy that they have requested an interview, and I've no idea whether it's been granted, is the Giants defensive coordinator. So we have a bit of kind of podcast incest there. <laughs> the other defensive coordinator news is Wink Martindale uh, has been fired. Mutually agreed to leave the uh, Pits- the Baltimore Ravens. They called them the Pittsburgh Ravens and Baltimore Ravens. He had been uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, defensive coordinator for a few years now and I think is still considered a very attractive prospect to be a defensive coordinator somewhere else my best guess is if John Harbour comes back to the league to uh, coach probably the uh, Las Vegas Raiders I wouldn't be surprised if Wink ends up in LA, uh, in LB as well Yeah the call I was going to say with regards to why there's not many head coaches hired is because there's a few GMs need to be hired first to, to yes. make the decision. Um, the Bears have announced today, or are expected to, I believe, that they're going to sign Ryan Poles uh, as their new GM. He comes over from the Chiefs. He's already doing three interviews tomorrow. And interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, the ownership won't be involved at all in those in those meetings. So he's going straight into you know full control sort of situation because I think they also got rid of their director of football operations or whatever it was so at when the you same said, time they got rid of pace as well when you said polls had three other three interviews lined up before you meant for other gm spots then <laughs> <laughs> i was like i think they're probably cancelled now mate <laughs> that's like football manager you start hedging your bets <laughs> you get warned off you know ah, what i might look around elsewhere so yeah they're they're expected to hire them 
Tom, do you want to walk us through the, the Vikings? I, I no, I think Colum should. <laughs> no, I think Tom should. Uh, well, okay. The Vikings are expected to hire uh, Kwesi Adofu Menzi um, <clears throat> as their general manager. I've got to admit, I know very little about them. Uh, I... So I'm really glad you introduced me on this front, <laughs> Brad. Sure. I believe he's come across from the yeah from the Browns. Former, I think he was also in the front office for the 49ers for a few years before that. So some people are now immediately speculating that uh, D'Amico Ryan, who I believe on Sunday interviewed for the Vikings head coach position, is now likely to get that one because of his connection with the GM. Yeah. And then finally, uh, with GM news, uh, well, at least hiring news, uh, Joe Schoen from the Bills is coming over to be the general manager for the Giants in a move that can only be described as rational and therefore everyone in the league is upset that the Giants are doing things properly <laughs> once again. Uh, I hope he likes New Jersey, though, rather than being in New York, <laughs> actually being in New York. Uh, no word on head coaches yet, except the immediate favourites are obviously... Um, Brian DeBall and Leslie Fraser because <laughs> he worked with them at the Bills. <laughs> so I expect to see that one on there. I believe I'm correct in saying there's no more GM vacancies available, is there? Uh, we're still not really sure of what Trent Bolke's doing, but yeah. <laughs> that might develop. Someone ask Colin at Smash Mouth and see if they can give us an update on Trent <laughs> Bolke. Uh, should we fly through the rest of these? Um, column news to, that delights your ears is that uh, the Cardinals are apparently upset with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Scott Kime. Uh, was it Steve Kime? Steve, uh, I believe. The jo- yeah. Steve Kime, the German Oh, now Tom knows first names. <laughs> <laughs> I know what sounds Coaches, right is the only thing. Yeah, following the the limp exit of the playoffs and you know just the downturn that they were on at the back end of the season... And apparently coaches have not received their playoff bonuses yet. Although, I mean, I don't think you can really say that they actually played a playoff game just as much as, you know, kind of appeared in one. Uh, it was very much a limp, you know, limp exit for them to end the season. I think this just only adds to what we've said is that Kingsbury's on the hot seat. Whether it makes sense or not, they're on the hot seat now, right? Yeah. Or uh, well, both of them are. It's uh, Yeah, it sounds... There's a, uh, some dispute in the reporting about what happened here. So came out initially that the ownership was very unhappy with the both of them and had a meeting and it basically was shit hit the fan. Rap Sheet came out and said no. And, you know, the end of season meeting hasn't happened yet, but there are still reports that they have had a falling out over how this season has ended. It wasn't even that the report was disputed. The first thing that I saw was that that report came across that it was very heated, etc. And then I'm not sure if it was Rap or if it was, it wasn't Schefter, but it was some, you know, insider who literally quote tweeted it and said, this didn't happen. (laughs) Like, that's not, uh, despite despite reports earlier, my sources indicate this, it was literally, this didn't happen, which is the biggest, like, cock on the table thing you can possibly do. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see Rap Sheet on um, Pat McAfee's show, though? Because Pat was asking about it and said, so why did you come out and say that, you know, this you know, this hasn't happened. He said, well, I don't like it when people frame tweets where they've clearly been written by the source, which is a very weird thing for Rap Sheet to say, because he does like, how many times does he say, credit to the agent such and such for delivering such a great deal for his client kind of thing? 
But that can be said. Well, I've got sources inside the cards that says, you know, yeah, yeah, shit has gone bad there. But you know, he. I think the the distinction they came to was that the end of season meeting hasn't happened yet, which is understandable. You know, I don't know when they schedule that, like, you know, season review thing. Formal sit do, they, down. do they wait to see if their divisional rival wins the Super Bowl? Like, is that what oh, they're I don't know. They, they have to sit and wait down to see maybe, which one wins. Maybe they wait to see right. what's happening with Sean Payton before they decide. Kings being kind go like they they just go. Oh no, we're really ill. Got a cough. Can't do it. Internet's down, so we can't zoom in. Just to see if the Rams win it. To go. In fairness, we did lose to the winners. <laughs> yeah. So and everyone else on the way down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Um, so yeah, disharmony there. We'll see what happens. Speaking of Super Bowl, quickly, the NFL is catching a bit of flack, or at least the agency that they hire the uh, to do the half bowl Super Bowl halftime show are catching flack because they're looking for free dancers to do everything, and you know that's a that's going to be about what 50, 100, 150 dancers usually, and it just feels weird to say, oh, come do it for free. Like, and let's remember, it wouldn't no. just be turn up on the night either. It would be weeks of choreography. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they yes. won't provide funding for transport either. You have to you have to either drive yourself or get your own lift share. They were encouraging uh, ride share apps actually because <laughs> uh, they said parking would be difficult in the day. Yes, <laughs> the agency had taken the absolute piss as if they thought no one would find that. But hey ho, that's what happens. Uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, was fined for his comments that were effectively encouraging violence towards the refs, and obviously he's walked those back now and apologised, but he's done that. And then final news item that I think sums up that vague tweeting and vague booking isn't just for, you know, 16-year-old girls and everyone else. Uh, Turns out NFL GMs can do it as well, or owners even, sorry, with Jim Assay, who has been kind of vaguely tweeting negative sentiment and feedback towards Carson Wentz. I mean, some of it was outright with Carson Wentz, but with his defense and now and the coaches talking about performance, I think what's the one that he said today was something along the lines of... Oh, he, uh, he, he tweeted said, it, I believe, at 1am, which says a lot about Jim say <laughs> a man who... I, I'm not going to trash the guy's reputation, but I, he was suspended for like four games once, right? Yeah. Uh, we, you can it was uh you can see clear as day in the final eight NFL team playoffs. You need a quarterback and an offense who can score thirty or more in regulation and a defense that can hold an opponent under thirty. Football. Which is very funny because <laughs> none of the teams this weekend did both of those things, right? <laughs> <laughs> they either well. gave up thirty points on defense or scored for you on thirty points. The Rams. The Rams no, scored. No, the 30. Rams right, slight ah. spoiler, the Rams did it. My but apologies still, the to the Rams. <laughs> I think you're covering that game as well. Aren't you? <laughs> I think you chose that game. Look, even. I'll look up the score when you throw to me in a minute, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll edit out all the ums and ahs in between then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, weird, weird stuff to see from your owner. Although I say it does a lot for the players, and I think McAfee has spoken about that before. It's you know does a lot for those people. It just feels weird for an owner to be so publicly shitting on his quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I and reckon as a player, as a player, you probably don't mind it. As a coach, you're just like, for fuck's sake, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to ask answer these questions from here until like June. 
how do you think Chris Ballard feels? He's like, yeah, I've done a lot. And, you know, like, you'll totally get a quarterback. And this is what we had on the market. Like, that Aaron Rodgers noise was all fake. Um, <laughs> like, I got you a Carson Wentz. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Maybe a late maybe a late off-season change would just be some absolute wild <laughs> shit, wouldn't it? I yeah. think someone has been, so, so, someone's been laid off like in April. Something would be good, as I say. So, someone's been laid off in April before, haven't they? Just after the draft. Or was it Ozzy Newsome who retired after the no, draft? No, I remember the, the Bills uh, fired their GM after the draft, didn't they, a few years back? <laughs> Imagine your owner's like, I've seen Kuiper's report. I don't like all the <laughs> big grades. <laughs> Fuck out of here. It says here you took a punter in the third round. <laughs> Oh, crikey. Right. Speaking of the Bills and the games, and there's so much to get through, even in all these games, in what was probably the single best NFL playoff weekend I think I've ever watched. Yeah, and we've managed guys. to talk 25 minutes about not that, which is pretty impressive. Yes. So, let's do, uh, let's go through the rest of the game, shall we? Um, do we want to start with the last game and perhaps the most memorable and has caused the most debate back and forth <laughs> in terms of the result in the Chiefs Bills or do you have any other one that you want to start off with Colin you sound prepared for the Bucks and Rams uh, um, uh... <laughs> I think I think if we yeah. go into Buffalo if, if we go into the Buffalo versus the Chiefs and then that'll give us an idea of how much time we have left to talk about all the other games <laughs> okay uh the Chiefs Bills. This was, this was like getting the Super Bowl of your dreams in the divisional round. This was just an absolute Jim, good old Jr. certified slobber knocker. Like the back and forth battle uh, between these two, the crowd in Arrowhead were absolutely rabid for everything, and these two teams just went to absolute war. Uh, over the course of the game it, it, it i don't even know like i was watching it like i started watching it like, ah, this could be a good game tom said this could be the best game of the weekend and by that point there had been three classics in their own right <laughs> I was yeah. like, this might be the game they're disappointing oh my word i could not pull myself away from my screen until you know this was done gone three thirty in the morning because yeah, it just it was just hammer blow for hammer blow. Neither team took a massive lead. They just you know were exchanging big plays when they needed to. The defenses were you know giving enough. Like they you know it was like a one touchdown each uh, for them in the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter started, and it just went fucking haywire. Well, I think, like... I think that's what made this game so good is that it didn't peak too early. The score was seven seven at the end of the first quarter. It was it was so well paced in, in that way that it was like, is this a movie script? <laughs> because it it, yeah. it really had that slow boil. Like it it wasn't it wasn't seven seven because there had been a bunch of punts or whatever. It was seven seven because both teams just methodically ran their offense and scored touchdowns on the other team. The Buffalo Bills converted. Was it two fourth downs on their first drive? Or was it just the one? But they can. Uh, I think it was. The it was at one, least at yeah, least that... one, right? So they knew yeah, they had yeah. to score points, um, and and that just kind of set up this really nice sort of 
like undertone of of like okay cool we've seen that they can do it no defense is really going to get on top of the other one here so let's see like how each coach kind of schemes off of what they've done and 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 evolves and if there's one like if there's a coach and a quarterback better at evolving in a game than Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes they are not yet coaching and playing in the NFL they are so good yeah. at it and this was as you said this is like a movie so this is like a rocky film like, by the time the fourth quarter hit, it's like, right, we've got three more rounds left. And, you know, you've got one guy needing a knockout. And then you got a guy needing a point scene. It was just them going back and forth, like, just trading blows. There were, is it 25 points scored overall in uh, after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter? And if you're listening to this... Uh, pause it and you haven't seen this game somehow pause this episode go watch this game because it's amazing even and it can't, even if can't do it justice yeah even if you know what has happened like all of that just just go and watch it if you tweet at us at the kickers up um i can tweet you some lovely nefarious links to where you can watch the game if you don't have game pass like it is worth sitting down and watching every single play from if you've only got time just the fourth quarter like I, I would I would dedicate you know the 40 50 minutes to watching the game in 40 but if you can't I appreciate everyone has lives but just do yourself the favor of as Brad says sit down and yeah. watch watch the end of this game because it was and this is what I think has happened over the last two or three years Brady right and and Manning were about giving you an 8 out of 10 play every time they drop back, right? It was consistent, it was there, they were never going to kill you, they were never going to like absolutely blow you out of the water. It was just always the right decision, or always right on the money, and sometimes both. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen represent this new breed with Lamar Jackson, and um, trying to think of other ones, Kyler Murray to an extent, although he's not quite there, where it's like, I will give you, sometimes I will give you 6 out of 10s, but I will somehow give you 12 out of 10s for entire drives. And that's not just passes, that's decisions to run, that's like these insane like meta moments where it's just, what am I watching, the ability to drag everybody up. Jarrett McKinnon looks like an all pro right now. <laughs> and, uh, let's let's wind that back when you look at the actual numbers he put up. <laughs> mate, he, he looks like the quickest player on a field that Tyreek Hill and, and, and Gabriel Davis are both still on. He gets the ball and he looks explosive. He looks strong through contact. He... I, he if we get it finished on. with a stat line of 10 carries, 2 point... <laughs> for 24 yards. Yeah. Let me talk he, about he explosive. Can we talk about that Nicole Hardman run? Where he looked, there's like six bills around him, and he just, and he just finds stops. he yeah. finds like three gears in one, and just bu- bursts through. And I think he's pushed out the one yard line. If we're talking about explosive, yeah. why don't we talk? Why don't we talk about Gabriel Davis blowing up Mike Hughes's ankles? Like <laughs> I think Mike Hughes needs to go on going for 200, 200 yards and four touchdowns four the touchdowns. first time ever in a playoff game. Ever in history of all time, absolutely insane. This game, just finding bags of space. Uh, the Chiefs, one of the Chiefs cornerbacks got injured, and DeAndre Baker came in, in for it. And like credit to the Bills, and this is where a lot of the post game controversies come from. They coached and played 
pretty much a, a perfect game. And yet they lost uh, because they weren't able to get the ball in overtime. Well, and you know where they that's... didn't play a perfect game? Is they ran four... Well, they, they ran four <laughs> plays in the, in the third quarter. Now, one of them was a deep touchdown to Gabriel Davis. But <laughs> by that point, the Chiefs had the ball for all of the end of the fourth quarter, uh, all of the end of the second quarter and the first half. Then they got the ball to begin the um, second half. And then the Bills went three and out. So then that's how quickly your defense is being put back on that field each time. And then, of course, you are never, ever, ever going to turn down a one-play 75-yard touchdown. But it put their defense back on the field. Like The Bills' defense had no time to rest, no chance to get on the sideline and go, right, what are they doing? What can we change to actually like attack what they're trying to do? And it showed because as you were about well, they, to get onto, the overtime drive was no contest. Well, it's not even the overtime drive. It's the preceding two drives before that. Like, that blew them up. Like, they had... That time on the field blew them up because the Bills did go on to make a 17-play, seven-minute drive in the fourth quarter, which eventually gave them the lead. So they made that meticulous drive. But they were shot to pieces, the defence were already... And, you know, it just started getting picked apart. And, and it was the same for the Chiefs, and it was going back and forth. It, when the, the coin toss was made, it, it just literally felt that, like, you know, whoever gets this ball now wins the game. It was, because these defences have nothing left to give. It was, And I'm sure this won't be the last time we reference this game, but it was the Super Bowl with the Patriots and, and the Falcons. And you knew, as they went for the coin toss, you just knew that the Patriots were winning the coin toss and getting the ball. Like, there, yeah. there was there was no there was no reality where the Falcons won that coin toss. <laughs> yeah, because it just, there wasn't. It's just how the world works. And, and I... Shall we get on to the overtime debate? Well, Before we do that... No, let's get... Yeah, I was going to say, there's more controversies first. Yes. <laughs> A disgusting act, if you ask me. As Tyreek Hill is going in for his touchdown, he taunts, taunts the opposition. How, how yeah. there was not a penalty there, how, you know... The, the refs were actually very quiet this game. They called four total penalties for about 25 yards. Should a penalty have been called on that? Wrong, would that have would have forced on the extra point or the kickoff, right? Like, it wouldn't have made a difference to that play. No. It, it would have... But it would have made the one. It would have made the kick harder, and Butker missed a kick from similar range earlier, which was part of the. I imagine you would have taken it on the touch on the kickoff, right? I think you can take it on the extra point. You can, but they needed like at that point you would take it on the extra point because if he hadn't kicked the extra point, it was a three-point game rather than a four-point game. So you would have gone to make the kick harder. Like you still want to drive the next play for a touchdown, which they did anyway. But you know, like you'd want to take it from that sense. But yeah, the ref crew were very quiet. They let them play. That did make for a more exciting and fun game, and that's all fine and dandy. But the consistency of just you know that's a that happens in the regular season. That is a stone wall penalty. Like that flag gets thrown, it gets enforced, and it just feels like if you can decide. In the playoffs, we're just going to stop doing these things, or stop calling these things, or you know, <clears throat> stop testing for COVID. Like it's just like it just feels like a little bit 
I don't know, kind of a sham for the rest of the season. It just undermines a lot of it. Like, think of all those players who paid for fines for unsportsmanlike conduct, for taunting. And then Tariq Hill goes and does that and will now be, you know, put in montages of NFL highlight clips for, for, for decades to come. This will, of course, be the only time we talk about the refs during this divisional round. <laughs> looking at the... Um, like Looking at the game as a whole... And I'm going to try not to, to get on him too hard here. But I do think Allen's performance is being pushed a bit much. I think the team played very well. And I think he played better in certain spots than people were expecting him to. The like Two of the throws to Gabriel Davis, he is wide open. The long one, one play touchdown drive is, is an absolutely insane throw. And he danced around behind the line, you know, pretty well. Nowhere near as much as Mahomes did. But I just, I think he played a good game. And I think, really, if you look at two of the touchdowns, you go, the, the Chiefs should have been up by more. Like, the, the Chiefs should, this this probably should have been a 7-10 to 10 point game. And it should never have gone to overtime. I think the, the Chiefs defense got very lucky. Um, or... or I guess the Bills' offense got very lucky with some of the lapses that the Chiefs made. Um, yeah, like and, and as I, was... I say, I, I I think Allen played well. It's just I don't think he. Everyone's billing him up as this kind of all-world performance, and I'm like, Mahomes, Mahomes outplayed Josh Allen like two to one in that game. If you if you go back and watch it, Josh Allen looks like an improved version of Year One, maybe Year Two, Josh Allen. Like at moments where he, you know, and it's hard for me to say that he outplayed Mahomes. I think he played a really good game, but like as you say, things broke his way a few times because there's moments there where he's got the ball and he's, you know, he's like he's scrambling out there and stuff like that. And I'm like, when's the pick coming? You know, when's <laughs> when's going to be the ill-advised fumble in this sort of situation? Which I guess you know, he wanted to look better than that, but yeah, I do think he was perhaps overhyped a bit, and. I think people, I think people just get tired of you know they always want something new to play with, right? And say, oh, you know, he's a great quarterback, and great quarterback. And on the other side of the ball, you have Mahomes playing the game that certain other quarterbacks this weekend wish they could have had the the you know hung in there and played because the Chiefs, despite all the worries about the offense and you know what how they were performing, they looked like a well-oiled, well-drilled machine at this point. And they will take absolutely everything that the defense gives you and more. You and know, you know, they're they're going to kill you. As, as a team that, or as a fan of a team that has a shot at getting to the Super Bowl column, um, this Chiefs team, they have not sorted their issue from last year. Patrick Mahomes was pressured 21 times in this game. Now, he, he dropped out to pass 53 times, right? <laughs> which is that, that a, that a big number. But the amount and, and he's good enough to get out of it and, and, and have Wait. this game but 21 total pressures in a game is an obscene number when you consider the amount that they put into overhauling their offensive line and getting the depth on that position in that position well um, it brings up to me a question which I was going to ask um, anyway which of the three potential opponents left assuming they get to the Super Bowl or you know just even with the championship game three potential opponents left what can any team do that the bills didn't already do this weekend like they you know they went toe-to-toe with the score 
they got pressure and still run somehow lost. Run the ball. Run the ball. Take, take run the, the ball. ball. Yeah, take take the ball out of the uh, out of Mahomes' hands. Um, finish off those pressures. There's um, there are a couple of plays where they left sacks on the field. There's a couple of tackles they missed, and and in a game this close, like I know it sounds like I'm nitpicking, but if you're going to be stopping the Chiefs, like that's what it's going to take. Things like the McCall Hardman run that you mention, like they he stops and four guys over pursue him, and that creates the lane. Like that that's the type of thing where if they don't stop and they tackle him for a two or three yard gain, we probably don't think anything more of it than huh, that could have been fun. But actually, making that type of play consistently is the type of thing that has you beat the Chiefs. And and that's not necessarily a coaching thing. That's not even a talent thing. That's just a one of those kind of rare moments where is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Um, I'm bored of Tyreek Hill catching the ball and then running five yards backwards with it, though. That can stop. Ah, the old uh, the old 2018 OBJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> Catches it, turns around, squares up, and then moves backwards. And I'm like, just fucking go forward. <laughs> just go forwards. <laughs> And then, and then he catches a pass over the middle and runs for a 64-yard touchdown. Yes, You're yes. like, okay, fine, fine, you can do it. But yes, let's get to the big controversy of this game, which was, you know, we danced around it, is the overtime rules. Uh, the overtime rules, this game blew up on American TV. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it did some of the best ratings of all time for, for the NFL because of how many people were talking about this game and just, you know, just going out their way to watch it because everyone was ranting about it. And a lot of people got introduced to the concept of the overtime rules, which, you know, <laughs> if you're somehow not familiar, is if you score a touchdown on, you know, you flip a coin, you get the ball, uh, you get to choose if you give or receive, you know, get or receive the ball, uh, sorry, kick or receive the ball. And then if you score a touchdown on that drive, you win the game. If you score a field goal, turnover, whatever, you know, punt it away, then the other team, you know, goes into sudden death, next team, you know, next score wins. But, the Bills lost this one on the touchdown playoff rule, which was you know so famously demonstrated to us by Tim Tebow and Demarius Thomas against the Steelers uh, all those years ago. And many and... times since, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but that one just stings a little. You know, it's more vivid in the memory for us. But yeah, like this is the the rule, right? And some people like it. Some people hate it. You know, some people are upset that the Bills didn't get a chance to go and answer the score. And let's be honest, with how this game was going on, we could still be in that game right now. You know, like that game could still be going on back and forth for just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And the there are many things that go back and forth in terms of should the rule change, how would you change it, should you just play better defense, etc. etc. Column. I'll take your opinion first because I know Tom is <laughs> wound up and ready to go, but I'll just let that brew for another minute or two. What's your thoughts on it, Carl? So I I have devised a perfect playoff uh, overtime rule. We can so you should come just to me first. And that rule is pretty simple. You pick five guys, your opponent picks five guys. You start in your own end zone. The ball is placed on the fifty. Whoever possesses the ball after five minutes, there's no downs. There's no like you know. Uh, uh, snap clock. Just whoever has the ball after five minutes wins. It's just a simple game of keep away. You have to got to stay on the field, got to hold on to the ball, do whatever it takes to get it away from the opponent. That is how <laughs> we once. decide these games. 
For once, I don't hate it. Uh... <laughs> well, that's good because remarkably, that's my suggestion as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, we'll move on. <laughs> um, no, so as you said, there are lots of things, and I do think the play better defense crowd do have a point. Like you, those are the rules for everyone. Just suck it up. However, the reason you can't have like limitless overtime in the regular season is because of TV networks, and they want to know that everything runs to a pattern and to a, a you know a schedule that they can set. Um, not with the playoffs though. So we're talking just playoff football and editing the rule for playoffs. And honestly, I don't care what they change it to, but the reason that you play sport is for money. But the second reason that sport exists (laughs) is for the spectator, is for the person who watches it and for their entertainment. And you cannot tell me that the way that that game ended on Sunday night was the most entertaining way possible. The most entertaining way is five minutes, five guys on each team, a ball placed on halfway. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the most entertaining version is, right? I saw someone say 15 or 10 minutes, whichever you want to do, um, two timeouts and any touchdowns you have to go for two points whoever leads at the end of uh, the time um, wins and maybe you lop off like two minutes every time so if it goes to another you know another period it goes to eight minutes and then six minutes and so on and so on and, so on. and, and like that to me sounds like it works really well you get the added drama of, of needing the two point conversions um, which kind of has that element of college football where they have the like repeated two point tries um, but something has to be done there was the suggestion a couple of years ago where like you would choose where the ball went and the other team like on the field and the other team could choose whether they wanted to go on offense or defense or, or something like that um, like I, I don't know but from a spectator and an audience member and a fan like Sunday night was not good enough for that game and and for you know for any playoff game, but for that game in particular, like that game did not deserve to end that way. Um, however, that said, if you play better defense, it doesn't end that way. So <laughs> I can see <laughs> if both you play sides. if you play any defense over the last what four minutes of the game, it doesn't end that way. Yeah. I will say you're both wrong. The correct answer is you have your kickers take it progressively five okay. like, make field goals from five yards back progressively and once they hit the 50 yarder you have to nominate your second kicker to go up and do it so you have to find someone else to do it also I we, think we haven't actually mentioned value. that Patrick Mahomes managed to drive about 40 yards in 13 seconds of game time clock the ball kick the field goal that took it to overtime oh, yeah. and that the uh, Bills decided not to squib kick it to take off circa four or five there's, seconds off the clock there's so much in there I mean <laughs> Just to point out that that happened. I asked Tom a lot. Tom, is (laughs) X time enough for YQB to drive the field to do this? And it'll never not be amazing that the bar is now set at Tom, is 13 (laughs) seconds enough for Patrick Mahomes? And the answer is is yes. We've seen it happen. So now someone, like, he's ruined the limbo game for everyone else. (laughs) Like, someone has to go lower. I'm sure we will see it one day. Before but, going out for that yeah. drive, Andy Reid said to Patrick Mahomes, when things look grim, be the grim reaper. Which is a great phrase to motivate someone. But when he, you think about it, it doesn't is, really hold is, any sense, he, does it? He definitely didn't say it. As you pointed out last week, 
this is the same guy that equated the NFL playoffs to cake. There's no way he said that line. That <laughs> he, he probably also, mumbled something about a Grim Reaper and, and Patrick Mahomes made up the rest. He, pro- he probably said something like, if you want to be, if you want some pudding, you've got to be the spoon or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> and you've then the decided... Horse, you've got to go to war. What? And then, oh, and then decided that, uh, yeah, Grim Reaper thing sounded cooler. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't even the best thing said before a game-winning play this weekend, which we will get to <laughs> later on. But let's move now on to the NFC games. Uh, we go to the Bucks and Rams. And Colm, are you ready this time? <laughs> um, hang on one second. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. a joke. That's earnest. <laughs> yeah, so Rams versus Bucks uh, playing in Tampa. The Rams got out to a storming lead on this one. Uh, <laughs> they were, I believe, up 27-3. Everyone was making the same jokes about the uh, you know, Brady and the Falcons kind of thing. And it very nearly happened again. The, <laughs> the Rams were determined to give the ball back to the Bucks at every possible opportunity. There were two Cam Aker fumbles in this game. And yet yeah, the score was level with... About 40 seconds left, I believe it was. Something ridiculous. And then the game came down to uh, a cover zero uh, blitz on Matt Stafford, meaning that uh, Cooper Cup was in one-on-one coverage against the safety. And shockingly, Cooper Cup might be good. Uh, He managed to catch a 40-yard touchdown. (laughs) Uh, They clocked the ball and uh, managed to set up a game-winning field goal. All this happened... Uh, I mean, tons happened in this game. Do we want to talk about probably the most shocking thing, which was the missed kick? <laughs> uh, Matt Gay, pro ball kicker, as everyone has uh, as he was mentioned every time that he came up to came up to the line, fell short on a forty-seven yard attempt. Now, kicking forty-seven yeah. yards is impressive, right? I can't do that. I could maybe get twenty yards. I don't know. I'd need practice. <laughs> hitting 47 yards you know people miss 47 yard kicks and you go that's annoying wish he'd made it whatever that happens but to go short is rare i don't know what happened there they did talk about him maybe being injured at the start of a game he was yeah he was injured before the start of the game which is what limited him sure um but yeah uh was okay when it came to hitting that game winner i don't know if they maybe gave him some sort of injection at halftime or, you know, between third and fourth quarter, but he managed to make that game-winning kick. To be fair, it was only 30 yards, so he proved yes. he had the leg for it. <laughs> <laughs> After this game, oh, yeah. uh, Brady has been quite openly questioning. I think the rumours came up before the game that he was maybe thinking this could be his last season. Quotes have mm-hmm. come out from him since, where he's talked about uh, his need to be a husband to Giselle, father to his kids, and, you know, openly... Uh, and publicly weighing the consideration of retiring. Tom, I believe you think this is bullshit, but I'll let Brad speak first. (laughs) Well, yeah, Tom believes this is all about money, which would be fair if he was Aaron Rodgers, but I think with the specifics of how he's talking about it and what he's talking about, I think this is just very much Tom Brady coming to realise that his career is going to be over soon, and he's spent, you know, what, half of his life as an NFL quarterback and he's not going to be doing that anymore and you know he's evoking with certain names to certain people which I think would be crass if he was trying to do it to get a better contract 
you know, he talked about the memory of Kobe Bryant and in terms of how life is short. You know, life is short. We think we're going to live forever, but we're not. We think we're going to play forever, but we're not. And you know, we're going to just only enjoy the moments we have. I don't. I get the feeling that this is not Tom Brady has done this year, but it's very much you know, one last year he's going to ride it out there, and then he's going to go you know be a dad, be a be a husband, and, and live that life. I don't think there is any money to it. I think this is very much someone. Oh, it's not so publicly coming. It's not. It's someone, not solely about the money because he could say name your price to infinite other teams and they would pay it. Like it, it's not just about that, but that will have a large like factor on whether he comes back for the Bucks, because this to me and and everything you've said right is is great on January the twenty fourth, but wait until mini camp start up again, or what's the latest iteration of the playbook, or oh we've got a new shiny wide receiver that we drafted in the first round, etc. etc. Like the, you all the points you made about this being half of his life and you know you can't always be a winner except it's tom fucking brady right all he's ever (laughs) known after since being in the league for about two and a half years is winning he's only ever known being that damn guy for as you say half of his life and so to the, the prospect of stepping away and no longer being in that um unbelievable kind of um, physically and mentally challenging thing because I think that's you know that that is what gives Brady that edge is he is able to go to that position you know mentally and, and physically kind of at will and so when he gets into those situations in game that's why he is so clutch for lack of a better term because it's just it's just another day to him and and so suddenly you go from that to doing the school run. And making Sam like it, it's that that transition is going to be hard enough for guys like Ben Roethlisberger, and he's spoken about that. The, the and, and he can't play anymore. Like he who's he kidding? Brady is coming off okay, not one of his five or seven best seasons ever, but statistically the second best quarterback this year. His team got to the divisional round and and they almost damn won it to get into the championship game. And then from there, like who goddamn knows? The, the roster isn't going to change that much. Uh, okay, granted, Bruce Arians has come out and said they'll be reloading and not rebuilding, which is the thing you say the year before you rebuild, for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> like, the, I just don't buy it for a second. Brady, I don't think Brady can retire while he's still good. I don't think there's a bone in his body that allows that to happen. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate for playoff Lenny as well. He had a great game. Uh, again, ignite everything, and he's just unrestricted free agent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Like, you take a team that's been needing a rusher for a while, you know, like that's absolutely go out and get him. Like he could command his price. Like, he's been an absolute revelation in there. And again, something that I think redeems Colum uh, and his fantasy drafts. <laughs> <laughs> something that redeems the fact that I've been saying for years now, for years. That Smash Mouth football is the future of the NFL. <laughs> he will now, be a hot commodity. The issue with that, the issue with that is that the thing that made Leonard Fournette so much better this year was that he started catching passes. <laughs> it is somehow the opposite of Smash Mouth football. Is the um, I do want to note that this time was the first ever time, pretty much, where I didn't, in any of our group chats or on Twitter, say that this is the part where Brady rips your heart out and shows it to you. 
I just had no faith, really, that when in the last six minutes of this game, that he was gonna, that the, the Bucks were gonna win this. I know it wasn't on him. Obviously, he wasn't playing safety. Although that would explain quite a lot of the coverage. Um, <laughs> like I just didn't. It didn't have that Brady Bucks feel to it. It just. When it got to a tie game, when it got to a tie game, everyone I knew was like, What the fuck it's happening again? This is supposed to be over like, you know, sort of vibe. So I think there was some of it. It just the Rams you know, decided fuck your narrative. The reason the, the reason we knew it wasn't happening is because Brady didn't have to drive eighty yards for it. <laughs> it's because Cam Akers gave him the ball back at like forty yards. We're like, ah, it's just it's not going to count. It doesn't. It's not real. Yeah, but the thing is that they were so behind for so long that it just didn't feel like the Bucks. Like the Bucks just did not feel competitive in this at any stage until they were obviously level. But they were so behind for so long that this game is my shellacking of the week. Tom, uh-huh. hit the bell. <laughs> hit the bell. I believe you mean find the bell and then <laughs> hit the bell. <laughs> Um, I did actually tweet out. Someone tweeted out that. Um, yeah, it, promise this is all still going. Yeah. It's a, a real, real just, like kind of difficult choice of shellacking of the week. But yeah, um, it was it was a tough week for me to be honest. Um, I think a good justification. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, statistically speaking, the the Bucks were three of fourteen on third downs, two of four on fourth downs. Like I said, it, they, they were just struggling so much. Even uh, like the the refs seemed to be against them at certain points in this. I believe there were two taunting penalties against the Bucks, one of which was on Brady, his first ever unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, after he got hit in the face and then complained to the refs about it. The refs decided I mean, he was he, too he aggressive. Didn't complain about that. He got into his face and screamed at him. Yes, he did. <laughs> there was a, a penalty where I believe it was Mike Evans was hit to the head by Eric Weddle. Um, but the ball had just hit the ground and therefore it was a dead ball. And so they, it was a fourth down and therefore they didn't get the automatic first down. It was a 15 yard penalty from the spot of the uh, turnover. Like had that, as they pointed out in the game, had that ball been kicked in the air and he got hit in the head like that, they get a first down from that spot, right? Or 15 yard penalty. No, first down from that spot, I think, isn't it? I can't remember. But they would have gotten like a huge boost on offense. They just no, couldn't get that. No. It would have been 15 yards from um, from the snap and yeah. uh, on my first down. Um, but but that, that just proves to that just proves just how uncerebral Mike Evans is because he didn't kick the ball in the end. Yeah, but the only <laughs> people that were keeping him in this game were Cam Akers and uh, Matt Stafford. Like, with, uh, do you remember the fumble where like they just him and the center just were not on the same page about whatever the snap was, <laughs> and he, yeah. he, he shot himself as the ball came to him. Then had to sprint back after it, and somehow the uh, the Bucks landed on it, and maybe came away with three points. I can't quite remember. The Chiefs and the Bills were was blatantly the best game of the weekend, right? But if I could wipe my memory and watch one game over and over again, I think it would be this Rams and, and Bucks game because it just had all of those bullshit moments. <laughs> just like as, as present, what is going on? How does this keep happening? And then and then the Bucks would get the ball back from one of these bullshit plays, and then they'd go three and out, or four and out, or kick a field goal when they needed touchdowns. Yeah. And you were like, just, right, okay, uh, that was their chance. And then Akers would fumble, you'd be like, right, okay, now this is the chance. It was a, it was a, a fumble at the Tampa 25-yard line. And by the time the play was over, it was on the LA 45-yard line, yeah. and the ball was fumbled 25 yards in itself. It was ridiculous. 
Uh, I think one thing I want to say, Jason Pierre-Paul was an animal in this game. Like He was everywhere, all over Matt Stafford when they needed him to be. Um, and I think, I don't know if he's one of the free agents, but I think it'd be interesting to see if he is, you know, if he comes available, where he goes next year. Anything else? Shall Tom, we go on to, to the off? other NFC matchup then, Colin? Um, you, uh, could, yeah. you could keep talking, although probably not about too much for the Niners versus the Packers. Okay, no. well, this game was my barn burner of the week. Tom, hit that bell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this was a game where you, from that first drive, you were like, oh, this is going to be an absolute beatdown by the Packers. First drive, everything went well. They could not cover Devontae Adams, running, running the ball pretty effectively up the middle. And the 49ers struggled mightily on offense. Catching the ball just seemed to be an absolute, uh, you know, riddle for them. Like, they just didn't understand what they were doing when the ball was thrown at them. And that somehow the 49ers managed to come away with a victory here, entirely down to their special teams. The 49ers special teams have been pretty bad this year, but the Packers were somehow so, so, so much worse. They had a field goal blocked just before halftime uh, after getting a huge completion on, um, I think it was a 50-yard completion with about 30 seconds left in the half. Got down for a field goal, had that field goal blocked, had a punt uh, blocked for a touchdown, and then... Uh, uh, lined up with 10 men on defense for a, to try and stop a game-winning field goal. It was an absolute shit show by the uh, Packers special teams. Sole difference in this game. Otherwise, it would have held the 49ers to like three points. It was pretty it remarkable pretty how I tapped into some I... sort of psychic powers for the end of that first half when I called the sack fumble on Rogers and then called that they missed the field goal. It was like, <laughs> ah, hmm, it feels like I could have done something more with that. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, I will dispute you, Colm, in that this game was purely on the Packers special team. Because a good chunk of this game, and the reason why the 49ers won, has to go on Aaron Rodgers just making terrible choices. Yeah, this was a bad, like, bad Aaron Rodgers game. Internet has dubbed we... him Fro Rogan, by the way. Just the rule. <laughs> yes, I love it. But he, he did everything... That we criticised Mahomes for in the in the early season, in the early part of the season, where he was playing hero ball, and he was just laser focused on getting the ball to Devonte Adams and nobody else. Can and... I read you a stat a second quickly? So Rogers yes, completed please. twenty passes for two hundred twenty-five yards in this game of twenty-nine attempts. Nine of those were to Aaron Jones for one hundred twenty-nine yards. Nine of those were to Devonte Adams for ninety yards. One to Alan Lazard. One to Mercedes Lewis. That was everyone that he targeted. <laughs> that was everyone he targeted. Mercedes Lewis went for zero, zero yards, yards. And a fumble. Yes. And a fumble. So <laughs> it's just. he. I watched this game back to just work out because this is the one game I didn't catch live. And thankfully, it, looks, it seems <laughs> so. But I, I went back and watched it and I just got angry because it was like just watching some second year quarterback who had absolutely, you know just lays it in on one target. I was like, cool, that guy's getting the ball. That guy's getting the ball. Like, you know, that was all it was. And this is this is the MVP. 
you know, I would I would love to say go back and watch it again, but I'm not going to inflict that on you because so much of kind of halfway through the second quarter onwards was Aaron Rodgers looking at his first read, quickly switching to his second read, getting moved off the spot either by actually being pressured or, and this doesn't happen often, but Rodgers got shook. Like he saw Rogers, ghosts. Rodgers had moments in this game where he looked completely human, both throwing the ball and just being a quarterback like in the pocket. He was only pressured 12 times, but he was sacked five of those 12 times. He like he did not play his best game in any way in this in this. And I do think like a lot of credit has to go to D'Amico Ryan's for it. The weather obviously played quite a considerable part in it as well. But you you talk about kind of the way it ended in terms of the fourth down play or the sorry the the third down play um, where he heaves it deep for um, Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard is coming wide open on the middle of the field. Um, I have tried to look at it back to see if his view was just flat out blocked by offensive linemen because I think that's something that a lot of time just gets overlooked is that a sight line from a broadcast camera is often extremely different from from the sight line that a quarterback has. Um, But yeah, Aaron Rodgers played a bad game in this game Um, and I've mentioned it a couple of times but I went through and kind of nitpicked through their roster a little bit and replied to a couple of people saying like the Packers are dead next year just saying well actually if you look at contracts <laughs> they're, they're not dead if they you know make these moves or make them similarless and basically one guy replied to me and then one guy replied to that and then they went on a like all all the way overnight went on this sort of Twitter war against each other so I woke up with about 15 replies to this tweet and the amount of people that call themselves Packers fans, and I can only assume are pretending to be Packers fans, that are negative on, like, Rodgers, or Rodgers in the playoffs, or the or the, the thought of Rodgers coming back next year, and they're, like, anti-Rodgers coming back. Like, do you have any idea how spoiled you sound to go from Favre to Rodgers and then go, ah, oh, we, we, we don't need Rodgers. Like, Rodgers can go. He, he's a top-five quarterback of all time, like without question, okay, you haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010. Boo, fucking who? Like there have been a lot worse quarterbacks and a lot. Better There's only so many to go story. around, and Brady yeah. wins most of them. And so, like, I just don't understand where people. Okay, like he wants his skill position guys brought back. When you're that good, <laughs> you you get some sway. You don't think Brady ever went to Bill and was like, "Hey, look, I know he's kind of on the roster bubble, but I really want to go to bat for probably Julian Edelman, knowing Brady." <laughs> like his luck with just being himself um and so i just i i just wanted to kind of bring it up that there are packers fans that exist that want rogers gone not for and, and whether this should come into it or not his stance on vaccinations or what but for his play on the field for the season and i just do not understand that prospect as and I'm sure someone that's had to watch Daniel Jones for the last few years, someone that's had to watch Ben Roethlisberger for the last couple of years and had the prospect of, of watching Mason Rudolph next year, and probably mostly the person that's had to watch Jimmy Garoppolo. Because when I talk about guys that didn't have a very good game, Jimmy Garoppolo has not had a very good few weeks and yet is staring down the barrel of, if they can beat the Rams for the third time this season, another Super Bowl appearance. Hey. Hey, if Rex Grossman can do it, so can Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> he didn't get the uh, I'll say this about Rodgers, because uh, 
I'm not going to say anything more about him until the season's over, until he decides he's going to fuck off or sign somewhere new, because this year, Tom, I will happily agree with you. Everything he does from now on is all about the money uh, <laughs> and the attention. Um, someone's put, just put it perfectly with Aaron Rodgers, who said after this game, said, well, after, said on the McAfee show, that many people tuned in just to watch him fail. I'm just sick of this guy like this season. But uh, a Steelers fan has put this eloquently, and I think it sums up your point. This fucker just can't stand being not the center. Sorry, can't stand not being the center of attention for a minute. Booted for the playoffs, and now he's saying whatever he can to stay in the spotlight. Side note: Please come to Pittsburgh though and show all these sheep. We have a real working class vibe. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a lot of people going. He just doesn't fit. This, he's not a Steelers player. He doesn't fit. The, and I'm like, you, you are aware, like your franchise greatest quarterback is essentially a sex offender, right? That like, guy, what? that guy followed up also with, "I'm willing to go anti-vax if he signs with with us for yeah. two or more years." Um, there's there's a yeah. tweet here, um, which is which is pretty much on brand, but I just want to point it out because it's. It is important to note. Um, it says the Green Bay Packers' main focus is to come to an agreement with quarterback Aaron Rodgers and wide receiver Devontae Adams. Then Green Bay will start to look at other options. That's fairly obvious. If they don't have Rodgers um, and with Rodgers essentially comes Devontae Adams, then what's the point in making all the other roster moves to mortgage the next two or three years of salary cap um, to, to try and make next year's roster competitive? It's, there's just no point if Rodgers isn't there. Yeah, It's quite interesting to think about how it's entirely, if it's not this season or maybe the season after, we are getting very close to the end of Rogers' NFL career. Same with Brady. Ben Roethlisberger, we assume, is probably going to retire or, you know, is, again, very close to retiring anyway. We're very close to a big sea change in terms of QBs that have dominated the league for the last 10 years, right? And Ben Roethlisberger. But... Um, <laughs> It, you know, the QBs that we left that were drafted in the 2010s, I'm thinking we've got uh, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and then a couple of backups, basically. But this is now pr- more or less QBs we've seen drafted who are taking over the league. And that's, I don't know, to me that's quite surprising to think about. You're getting old, Colm. You can feel mm. it in your bones. <laughs> anyway, my final note was going to be, Yes, there's uh, a lot of trade speculation about Roger. You know, will he still demand a trade? Will he be back? Obviously, they want him back because unlike Shanine Woodley in Sp- The Amazing Spider-Man 2, he is not replaceable. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he, presumably he will come back. But that was a p- pretty poor performance by the end of the, uh, by his standards. Uh, just a note to say, Devo Samuel, he was the entire focus of that last drive for the 49ers. Uh, I believe they were trying everything just to get him the ball. Even the passes, you know, he's getting the ball out of the backfield. Uh, game came down to could he run on a third and seven. Supposedly the 49ers initially called a pass play, took a timeout, saw that the defense was in nickel, ran the ball, and Deba picked up a first down before um, going off with an injury. Uh, he should be back. Uh, the expectation is that he practices this week and is ready to play against the Rams. The same cannot be said about Trent Williams, who... Uh, apparently has a low ankle sprain and has re-aggravated a previous ankle sprain. He is unlikely to practice this week, I think, and will be a game-time decision. One of my favourite things I've seen this week was the 49ers use him as a fullback because Trent Williams is a a big man and an impressive run blocker. You put him in motion, he just wrecks shit. Yeah, Uh, that that ain't on. That That actually needs to be looked at from from a safety perspective. 
you cannot you cannot disband running into the helmet or whatever of a wide receiver who's going up for a catch and then okay a I mean what's Trent Williams conservative three hundred and twenty three thirty I believe yeah yeah right like three thirty running full tilt at a guy who is engaged by two other offensive linemen the guy that he ran into essentially head first. The only part of him that he could make contact with was his helmet and push him like into the rest of his spine. Had his arms locked with two with two offensive linemen already. Like that from from a from a safety and and and, and health perspective, like you you cannot have that because if that happens three or four times, someone is going to get seriously hurt. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that's your perspective on it. To me, it was cool as fuck to see. Um... I think not, I don't know who designed that play, whether that was McDaniel's or whether that was Kyle Shanahan. But I, I've, they say when you get to the Super Bowl, that's when the bag of tricks like really like you've saved a couple special plays deep in the playbook for if you do get to the Super Bowl. And I think I know what Shanahan's might be, which is I've designed for them the perfect two QB play. So. You line up Jimmy. So the Bengals sh- played the Titans, and no. uh, in, in what was essentially. <laughs> I will not be ignored on this point. I designed the... this play. It's perfect. Um, yeah. So the Bengals played uh, the Titans in. I mean, what, what will end up to be the most forgettable game of the weekend? Um, not quite for Brad um, because his his boo Evan McPherson um, hit the. The, the game-winning field goal to win it 1917 uh, 1916 sorry uh, Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions and possibly the best touchdown of the week also um, to, to AJ Brown but coming into this game I said that people weren't giving the Titans defense enough credit but they were also probably overestimating what Derek Henry could do and and that is pretty much exactly how this game went um, Burrow looked fine but I don't think he looked good. The Bengals' offense did enough, but their large plays were um, either defensive or a smokescreen to Jamar Chase that went for like 65 yards and set up a rushing score. Um, the Tannehill three picks. One was off his first pass of the day, which was like tough. Um, the next one was as he tried to throw the ball into the flat in the red zone. Mike Hilton comes off the edge, blitzes him. Knocks the ball up into the air and does get a fortuitous interception. He could have gone anywhere. Um, and the third one is essentially when they're driving to to kind of get themselves into field goal range to win the game. Um, and he just he he tries to fit it into into too close coverage. Um, it, it's a poor look um, from Tannehill, but that kind of sums up his play for the final two months of the season. Um, largely because Derrick Henry was not Derrick Henry this game. His longest rush was nine yards. He had 20 attempts and got only 62 yards from it. And the big thing that I came away looking at him from, or from looking at him, is that his contact balance was non-existent. And that, that happens when he has, they, they said they they ran padded practices all week to try and get him ready for it. There's no way you can simulate um, uh, the 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 adrenaline and the way that the tackles are coming in in a win or go home uh, game in the playoffs, like it's just not possible. And yeah, there's a different playing... sort of momentum from the defenders. And he was sorry. <laughs> there's a different sort of momentum. Yeah. That the defenders carry into the tackles. But but he was playing with like a metal plate and three screws in his foot, which is obviously going to fuck you up. Like but but if you 
now I've said it, if you ever see any runs of his back from this game, like he, he wasn't going down on first contact, but he was going down on like first proper tackle attempt, which just doesn't happen with Derrick Henry. That's what, when he gets into the second level and a safety comes down to meet him, he goes, get the fuck away from me. And it's like, it reminds me of the joke, which is what's the last thing that goes through a fly's mind as it hits a windshield? His asshole. It's like it, it, that is that is what trying to stop Derrick Henry is normally like, and it just it, he was not the same guy. Um, the Bengals look like good; they look fine. Um, I reckon they can scare the Chiefs. Obviously, they beat them a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think this game is in any way a certainty, but I think I saw that Chiefs are like seven point favorites, which seems very generous considering the Mahomes we saw from like week eight to week 14 or whatever it was and the fact that we have seen that this Bengals team just have a way of pulling out victories of causing turnovers they have enough pressure up front and their offense is is good (laughs) it's not great the offensive line sort of that the defense of the Titans like there in fact I wonder how many um, uh, pressures Joe Burrow was under in this game over, over. I'll set the over under at fifteen. And neither of you have taken it. Uh, that's because you cut out there, Tom. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. So I, I set the over under of pressures um, that Joe Burrow was put under at fifteen. So I know over. He was sacked nine times. I don't think he was pressured. I think I heard somewhere that he wasn't pressured much more than he was the week before, but this time he just got sacked nine times, and so they converted a lot of the pressures into it. I'm going to say under. Well, remarkably, I hit it on the head without looking. <laughs> it was actually 15. Um, so yeah, but as Colin so said, it's a nine, push. Sacks, Thank you. <laughs> nine sacks from 15 pressures is an insane conversion rate. Um, but that, that's something they're going to have to clean up next week um, or this week. I suppose uh, anything big like I this was like the unsexy game of the week but people have got to start giving this Bengals team some credit because they have got they've had some great wins throughout the season beating this Titans team with a beaten up Derek Henry and Tannehill threw this game away like I, I think that is important to, to note and to state but they, they still got two playoff wins which is more than like in the last 60 years combined um and, and they're one game away from a Super Bowl, which would be mad. Imagine seeing orange and black at a Super Bowl. <laughs> it just it seems so strange. Um, I missed the first part of your recap here, Tom, but how much did you talk about Evan McPherson? Well, I said he kicked the game-winning field goal um, and uh, kind of assumed you'd be back to just fill up the next <laughs> 40 minutes or so of talk. So if you'd like to... to um, divulge the information in terms of your Evan McPherson love feel free I mean I've been on this ship since the preseason since the draft even I think like I was looking at who was coming up and then McPherson was the name bounded around and then obviously the Bengals used a fifth rounder on him and people were like fifth rounder on a kicker and then this kid has been fucking money and clutch for them whenever they need him to, and it was just wonderful watching everyone start to you know be like, oh shit, this this McPherson guy is good, and you know with how important special teams and kickers became throughout the rest of the week uh, weekend, where 
we we were on pace for for nearly what uh, well every single game this weekend ended uh, in, at least in regulation on a field goal <laughs> being scored and yeah he hit four in this game he's drilling them from 50 yards down the middle and the best quote I think from anything that was came out was when they saw the position that they were in it said on the sideline that he took one practice kick and then before he walked onto the field McPherson turns to his teammate and goes well we're going to the AFC championship game <laughs> and walks on and fucking drills it he's already uh, he's already made the most 50 plus yard field goals for the Bengals in history of the franchise like he's he's gonna kicking at like an insane rate and you know if he holds up with this and uh, with how he's playing you know uh, and, and at this level this he can easily be the next uh, Justin Tucker the next Steven Gustav like you know sort of caliber kicker and he's already kicked eight field goals uh, from eight attempts in this playoffs and it just feels like he's set up to you know, just continue this amazing run and if, if you were listening earlier on in the season or listen to any of that stuff about it you know I'm just happy that I can that I can claim another one as a win and I think I think I might retire from watching tape because I'm <laughs> one just too good at it uh, and two, like, you know, <laughs> I've just hit on too many successes. The 2021 NFL Divisional Playoff Round will forever be known as Kirk Cousins Weekend. <laughs> All one-score games, baby. And with that, I will thank you for listening to this episode of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. Um, as we say goodbye, I think we should probably say what our um, feelings or thoughts are for the Super Bowl matchup. Um, so I am going to put it on the line and say it's a repeat of a couple of years ago, Niners Chiefs. Uh, Brad, even. Uh, Bengals Rams. And Colin. What I want is the 49ers to take on the Bengals. What I think I'll get is the Rams versus the Chiefs. And I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. And goodbye. Oh, so before we go, are we not going to do a, uh, a lottery for next week's games? Love you. <laughs> <laughs>